Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Welcome back to Creation Innovation. Today, I have Laura Watson, who is a FCA graduate of Fertility Coach Academy, for any of those of you who are not aware of what FCA is, and a certified fertility coach out in the world, changing lives on people's fertility journey. So thank you so much for being here, Laura. It is so great to be here. Thank you. So we want to jump in, first of all, with your story and kind of letting people hear a little bit about where you started from, your where you're at now, from your personal side of things, and then how that transitioned to maybe this can become a business. Maybe I can actually do this for a living and helping other people. Um, so my, my story starts with... Um, really simply wanting a family. And my um, when my husband and I got married, I was already in my early 40s. And I knew that this, this my fertility journey might be somewhat challenging. I, I had read the articles. I um, was not a, I, I, I just knew that this could be a challenge. And so- Did you have that conversation with him? like early on, because I know I did with my husband because I was 40 when we got married. I was like, Mm -hmm. just so you know, this could potentially be like, are you on board or not? And this is what it could possibly look like. How does that sound for you? Did you have that similar type of conversation? Um, I think, you know, I, I think we probably did because when I saw my PCP, my regular doctor, and I mentioned to her, you know, I, but it was probably right before we got married, but I was like, I'm really excited to start my family. You know, what advice do you have for me? I had heard that I would want to have like a panel of blood work done. And she gave me a business card for an OB. And when I went and I went to that doctor right after Jared and I got married. And the big thing that I took from that conversation was the woman said to me before any of my results came in, she said, I don't know how important this is to you, but I don't see too many women over 40 getting pregnant with their own eggs. I think we should all like gather to that office and hold up a big sign of, I am somebody who have had a baby over 40 with my own eggs. I know you have a different story, but Sure. You know, just to prove some of these doctors to let them right. know the the narrative is changing, by the way. Yes, it's right. in some cases, but I it hurts my heart to hear that they don't even look at any of the blood work or any of the history before they say that. It really stung. I'm and, sure. And I cried. Um, and I walked away with a business card that she gave me for um, an IVF clinic and I remember driving home and calling my husband and crying. And he said to me, don't worry, we'll show her. <laughs> like, get home as soon as you can. Right, right. <laughs> we'll show her. Get this started now. Right. 
Um, now, the thing is that what I learned from that very short conversation was, first of all, I won't bury the lead that she was right. And I personally um, did end up going the route of donor eggs. But if that's the case, then why didn't anybody tell me right. to have this blood work done in my 30s? Right. Why didn't nobody talk to me about freezing my eggs? Now, I don't know if that would have even been an option for me financially or I don't, that's not where my head was at, but nobody talked to me about it. And I mean, that was a while back. And so I think that the narrative is changing, but I'm also living in the narrative. And right. so I don't Which know. Which makes it even more powerful, right? Because sure. that is your reality. And obviously I know your story prior to this conversation of how that right. all played out. But for those that are not listening, you know, both of us, Laura and myself, were in two different situations, right? I I did freeze my eggs at 36 and tried at 30. And those 11 eggs that I froze at 36, I wasn't able to use anyway, right? So I understand what you're saying about just this awareness and the availability to do this, which for sure is has a lot more... Um, it's out there a lot more than it was when we were at right. that age, right? For sure. We, which is great. And I think part of these conversations is to let people know, yes, if you if you are at that place and you are single, you really would want to consider that. And that's why so many of these young women are finding companies that have benefits for egg freezing, right? Yes. Not only IVF, but egg freezing if you're single and you're you know, nowhere near building your family at that point, which is amazing. So I think it's super important for us to continue to talk out loud with both of our stories, because I also was told to use donor eggs and nobody expects to ever be told that in their lifetime, right? You just, it doesn't cross your mind. Now, I think, again, because of awareness, people at that older age are, are more aware of that, that that could be more of a conversation to have. So how did that then tell us a little bit about that turn of events of how you got your do it to acceptance, I guess, of that that mm-hmm. is the route to go for you guys. So we did three um, egg retrievals prior to um, pivoting to donor egg. And um, I did not, I was not responding to the medications and that was obviously incredibly discouraging. And I remember going into the third round and saying, I, I, this, this isn't going to work. What, what am I doing? Right. And, um, but I did feel like I, I needed to try one more time, see what happens. And that was the, um, probably the, the least responsive of the three cycles. And I think that's important to note, Laura, too, because everyone has to come to it on their own terms, right? So if you needed that one last time to just know, okay, I need to close this chapter versus somebody telling you to do it ahead of time, you would always wonder, what if? What if I didn't try that last time, right? So for anybody who's listening that might be in that, that situation where you're kind of on the fence of what to do. Go with your intuition to just say, what am I going to think down the line? In five years from now, am I going to regret not trying that last time? Or will it be better off for me to just say, nope, I'm done with that and let's move forward? Exactly. 
And that's, it, that is how I felt after the third round. I was, I was ready. We actually did see a different doctor just to get a different, hear a different voice, talk to a different doctor. And he is the one that said out loud, I do want you to consider this option. He said, I'm not going to tell you that you can't get pregnant on your own, but I don't think that the chances of you getting pregnant on your own are going to, I don't think that IVF is your answer um, to get pregnant. I don't, cause you're not responding to the medications. And right. so I'm not saying that you can't have a baby on your own, just saying that I don't think that IVF is the path. And I wanted a baby. So I, I thought about it and I thought about it pretty quickly and decided like, I could start all over again and um, and work towards getting pregnant on our own, but I want a baby right now. And so I'm okay with donor egg. It felt right to me. And that's a really important point, right? Like, just like you said, you have to go with your gut. You have to go with your intuition. And my gut said, this is the answer. This is how we're going to get our family. And when I made the next phone call to tell my doctor, like, I'm ready and this is how I want to do it. I felt so, I was filled with hope. I was filled with the idea that like, this is it. And right. this is how we're going to get our family. And that's exactly how we got our family. And I think that's that's the other thing is around education. Just like you were saying about being aware that egg freezing is a thing. To the next step, people don't know what that that whole process of egg donation is right? They don't know, know how, it. how it starts. What do we do next? And I always tell my clients that are going down this road, it's going to happen pretty fast once you make that decision. You know, it, it's pretty cool in that regard. Yes. There are some things that come into play, but for the most part, I would say nine times out of 10, when I see people that decide that that's the route they're going to go, it happens really fast. And then they have their baby. But part of that is this big unknown, this big question right. mark of what does that even look like? How does yes. this work? Where do I start? And a lot of the clinics offer agencies that they work with, but there's so mm -hmm. many other places now too that have outside agencies where they collect lots of information around of multiples databases essentially of the egg donors that are available. I always say it's kind of like online dating where you're looking at this big it's, pool it's of people of that are there. Dating. Yeah. So did you I, find that that process was easier than you thought or more difficult, obviously going into it, not knowing anything? Um, I knew nothing and um, going into it, it seemed very, very, scary and intimidating is, is actually the best word for it. There's just a whole new set of logistics. And I felt at that point after three rounds, and it was probably a year and a half to two years, maybe a little bit longer from the first, my first appointment, but of all of those fertility treatments, I felt like I had really gotten the hang of right. <laughs> um, you were a pro. the meds and the logistics and how to keep things organized. And this was a whole new a whole new project, I'll call it. And, um, and it was sort of like online dating. And that part I found really interesting because I had committed to this process at this point. I, I'm going to find an egg donor. And so I had a spreadsheet of all of the donors that kind of fit into what I was looking for. And I had um, a handful of must-haves. 
and some of them were arbitrary. Uh, I, I really wanted a donor that had blue eyes because I have blue eyes and my husband has brown eyes. Mm -hmm. And in this part of the process, I was thinking a lot about what is, you know, what is the baby going to look like? Right. And will they look like me if the baby has blue eyes? Right. Um, so I filtered all of the blue eyed donors and then I wanted certainly a woman who had similar features to me. Um, and then was just looking at, you know, who spoke to me, who interests and hobbies and what was their priorities, what was speaking to me. And were you and your husband on the same page from the get-go of what was important? Because I often see people where they're they're not. You know, somebody wants a a master's degree for their donor, and the other person's like, I don't really care if they have that. I just want them to have blue eyes and blonde hair. You know, whatever I, it may I be. Think, were you guys on the same page with everything? I think that our wants matched. Great. And or um, coordinated is probably a better word for it. So right. he was fine. Like, sure, they can look like that. Uh-huh. And, you know, he liked the women who were, um, uh, had an athletic background and, um, you know, we saw things that we saw in each other. Right. But to be perfectly honest, I was driving this yes. and I'm the one who was looking through all of the options for donors. And, um, I think I narrowed it down to maybe five and then kind of presented them. Right. <laughs> and at that point, I felt like my first choice was the only choice like that. But I did want him to be a part of this and I wanted him to weigh in. And he said to me, I think that this is obviously this is who we should pick. And it was right. the same person that I had in mind. And so and something interesting that he said that I've carried with me and I've quoted him in a, in a lot of things that I've written was when we were coming to this conclusion, you know, obviously there's some grief that goes along with the idea that a baby that we were going to have would not have my DNA. I wouldn't be passing on my genetic material. And my husband said to me, but Laura, this, this baby that we have, we're going to raise, you're going to raise this baby with your patience and with your silly sense of humor and the things that you love and your compassion and all of those nurture qualities are going to be really special. And that's, you know, that's what you want to pass on. And then maybe using a donor, they can potentially also be good at math, which is not <laughs> something you would pass on. Love it. Right. And, and, and that was really helpful to hear that he was talking about all of what he found to be my best qualities were nurture qualities that's and that it meant so much to me. And I was like, you know what, it's, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I also, the idea now, the idea now that of epigenetics, I talk about this so often is there is so much research now around that right. idea and your blood is is feeding literally these babies mm -hmm. inside of you so as much as you know they don't have your eye color and your hair and those things that are genetically from you even though you may choose a donor from that way 
you really are bringing this child to life in your sure. in your womb. And I think now that we do have so much research on this, and there are so many donor babies out there, that more and more people are understanding, wow, it really isn't, not that it's not a big deal, but it's not as much of a deal breaker, I guess, to yeah. do to go down that road, right? And, you know, I look at my own kids, none of them have blue eyes, you know, and they, you know, they don't, they look like their dad and, and not me. So it's, I say that jokingly and in just to my clients that are going down egg donation, because it really is, as you say, so much of the bulk of what, how are you bringing them to the world with your parenting and your love and your sure. guidance, et cetera. So I think it's such a beautiful experience and really important for people that are considering this to reach out to these families that have gone down this path mm-hmm. so that they can see there there is no difference between the Kings and the Watsons and how we raise our families because right. we love them all the same, right? It's, it's not Absolutely. like you would not be able to tell on a playground, oh, those children no. must be donor babies 100%. versus not. As a matter of fact, uh, parents who don't know my, I'm very open with my story, but of course not everyone knows it. And all of the time I will hear, oh my gosh, she looks just like you. <laughs> or one of my son's classmates, their mom said to me at a birthday party, he is such your mini you. And I giggled and I was tempted to be like, funny you should say that because, and, you know, tell my whole story, which I love to do. But instead I just said, thank you because she's totally right. Like the way that he acts and what he gets excited about, it's totally me. What I like to say a lot and what I actually say to my children when I'm sharing their story with them is that it took the three components to create them. Daddy, mommy, and our donor. And without those three components, they would be completely different people. Like you said, being able to carry those children, they, my body did influence a part of their makeup. And so it did take all three of us. And without egg donation, that's not the people that they would be. Those aren't the children I would be raising. And I cannot fathom that. And what a cool world that we live in now that that's even possible. I know. You know, like I, every time I mention it, like just now I get goosebumps. Like it really blows my mind that this, we live in a world that scientifically this can be done and people can have families in all kinds of ways that we didn't used to be able to have as an option. So it's, it's so beautiful and so cool that that's possible. Through it all, I kept saying science is on our side and it didn't look like my original plan. It didn't even look like plan B, but what it turned out to be was more than I could have ever imagined. I mean, my children, I find them to be the most incredible people I've ever met and they are, as far as I'm concerned, they're so beautiful. And so, you know, the, that, and, and this is the story that we had to go through to create them. And so I am as, as hard as it was, and as the, I won't deny that there was grief when I had to make that decision, I'm certainly wouldn't change anything. Right. 
And I, I would be curious to know as you go on how that will change over time, right? Mm. I have a friend who the first one that I knew personally, her son is going to be 17 coming up here soon. And, um, you know, it's not even consciously in, in their awareness anymore, right? So sure. that grief has is so far in the, the rearview mirror because yes. it's just not even a thing anymore. So I would be curious to see from your perspective when that begins to shift, right? Because you're still in it. They're still young, right? So it's still pretty right. raw. And it's what you do for a living now, right? So yeah. you're continuously educating other people and supporting other people on these journeys. So it's it continues to be fresh to a degree. But hopefully that that grief and pain of that initial as i call it a sucker punch sometimes you know will get less and less as time goes on and our story continued um after my son was born um we were ready when we were ready to um do the sibling cycle as we'll, we'll call it um it i thought that we had paid our dues and this was going to be easy. I know how to do all of this. I'm going to go to my, I'm going to go to acupuncture and I'm going to eat the right food and I'm going to right. you know, do my injections, which I'm a pro at now. And then we're going to have a baby. And um, unfortunately, we suffered through three losses in between my first child and my second child. And like I said, I, I thought that we were through the woods and this was a brand new challenge for me. And so, and I mentioned that because it became a new part of our story. And the idea that the grief that I was, had felt at one point about not using my genetics, now I have a new grief that um, I had lost um, three pregnancies, three babies. And you know, it became it kind of everything about my story morphed. And when I look at my daughter, I think, holy moly, like it is, you are nothing short of, a, your existence is nothing short of a miracle. Right. And, you know, at two, she lives that way. She's just a powerhouse. And I, you know, again, if my story was any different, she wouldn't be here. And while, you know, I don't, um, there's a lot that I had to work through and some pain that I had to experience. It all happened the way that it was supposed to happen. And again, if somebody is in it right now, both of us can really understand and relate mm-hmm. to it's, it's not something that you can get your head around in that moment. So no. it's not as, as though we, we expect anybody else who's living in that place right now to, to get that. Because if, when I was in it, I didn't, not only did I not want to hear it, I couldn't relate to that. You know, Mm -hmm. it was, the grief was overtaking anything else in that moment. Because as you said, I feel like when, no matter what your story is to get there, and I, I, let me know if you feel this way with your son's pregnancy and the, the transfer and all of that, you kind of feel in some ways in hindsight, you take it for granted. Like, that was so easy. I didn't realize I was kind of in this place of ignorance is bliss of like one and done. This is how it goes. And then subsequently having to deal with something else. You're like, oh my gosh, I right. 
I didn't even realize how lucky I got that first time that it was a one and done situation, right? And what's complicated is that I feel the pain and the grief for the losses and the joy for my family at the same time. And that is super tricky. And it took me a long time to find, to realize that I could experience those two things at the same time. Right. And when also still, when you have a little one and you're going through that, it you're kind of forced to in a way yes. from a different perspective, right? As, yeah. as far as you, you, you need to get up and be with them and find the joy in your days because they're they're there versus yeah. going through it without one, which again is a whole different way of navigating through the process because you know one doesn't discount wanting another one. However, right. when you do have one, it it's different than you're having those three losses before you even get one. There yes. are, there are some differences. Absolutely. So tell us what happens after that. So you have your beautiful daughter. Um, and when was this seed planted within you to say, I think I want to help other people on this journey and support and Honestly, serve in this way? I do remember the first time I said it out loud. And my my daughter was a brand new baby. Um I I had left my traditional nine to five office job. Um, not long after my son was born, I went back after maternity leave for a little while and just didn't, it didn't have the same passion that it did. Um, and I did have the I did have the option to come to stay at home, but I knew that I wanted more. And so I was kind of playing trial and error on, um, new paths I could go on, new career options. I was, you know, really interested in this new gig economy that everyone was chattering about. And this is before COVID. So nobody was really, not everyone was working from home. Right. And, um, but after my daughter was born and I had, now I had all of these different kinds of experiences, right? Like I had the failed IVF cycles and the donor egg cycle and um, pregnancy loss and the anxiety after pregnancy loss that I experienced when I was pregnant with my daughter. And I had written an article that was published on a website about my experience. I think I wrote that article in um, November of 2019. And then I wrote another one, um, probably when I was pregnant with my daughter, about the anxiety that I was feeling and how I was managing that. And um, those were published on websites. And I started to get friends and friends of friends were texting me and reaching out saying, gosh, I'm really connecting with this piece that you wrote. Do you mind you know, talking to me, or I'm thinking about doing donor egg. I have never met anyone who's done donor egg before. And can you, would you mind telling, like having a phone call and sharing your story? And so I probably unofficially coached like three or four women through right. their, um, through their experience. And I think that's really yeah. how it starts for most people, Laura, oh, sure. right? It's just, right. I have a friend who's going through it. Would you mind talking to her or whatever? Exactly. And then you realize, okay, this this is a thing. Right. And 
I started to feel like this, this could be it. Is this a thing? I remember thinking to myself, like, is this a thing that people do? do this is people, someone's job to coach someone through fertility treatments and, and the struggle to get pregnant when they're having a hard time. And I Googled it and what do you know? It's totally a thing. <laughs> and so I started doing my research and then I was um, with some family and some extended family that live in a different part of the country. And I was talking to them about what I, you know, these conversations that I was having. And I had said for the first time out loud, I'm really considering becoming a fertility coach. I, I think that I'm a pretty easy person to talk to and I've gained all this knowledge about the process and I'm a really compassionate person who likes to listen. I, I think that that's what I would like to do next. And then after I said it, I was like, oh, you just put that out into the universe. <laughs> now you have to go for it. And um, continued the research. And I wanted to be very specific about the, I wanted to gain a certification, first of all. Like I um, realized that you don't need a certification to become a fertility coach. And, and I do know some fertility coaches who don't have a certification, but I wanted that um, I wanted more knowledge. There were things that were more clinical that I wanted to learn more about and um, parts of the um, concept, I guess, that I wasn't, didn't consider myself an expert in that I really felt strongly about having more knowledge about. And, and back to your point real quick, Laura, about you saying that you, you kind of resonated with the idea of coaching. I always say, most people know in their gut, they have that intuitive gut feeling of, I'm kind of meant to be helping people. Oh, sure. not sure what direction that looks like. And with fertility, when you've been on that path, it, it actually ends up being super clear if that's the type of person you are, right? I say coaches know that they're meant to be coaches. There's yeah. not really a, a question about that. It's more of a question of how do I go about doing that, right? Yes. And I think that's where we see a lot of people that are coaching that are not necessarily certified with curated information because they are a genius at whatever it is that they went through, right? right. And that's so awesome. And I love that so much. But you will find on this journey that everybody comes to you with lots of different stories. Nobody's really in the same place, even if they're all egg donation people. They're all a little bit right. different. Um, so like I was saying, I was very specific. I wanted to make sure that I was aligning myself with a program that really spoke to me and that I wanted to look for a coach that I felt was somebody that if I was, um, if, if I was going through this again, who's the coach that I would want to work with. And that's how I landed with the Fertility Coach Academy. And, um, felt very strongly like this is the kind of coach that I want to be and taking, I ended up taking like bits and pieces of that program and eventually, you know, kind of narrowed it down to what my specialty was, was going to be. And, um, and so now I specialize with women who are um, navigating IVF and donor conception and, um, 
and work with all kinds of scenarios. But I think a lot of women who are navigating donor conception are drawn to me based on my story. And so I do end up working with a lot of women in that scenario. Coaching in general, but especially with fertility coaching. So whether you're going through to see a divorce coach or a business coach or whatever it may be, I always feel that, and this is why I went into coaching in 2008, is I felt that it was so important to find that alignment with whoever it was that you're working with. And that's why I think it's so important for for you, Laura, specifically to be able to say to someone, I understand how that feels. I've been there. That, again, I just get goosebumps because it's, it's so important for somebody who is feeling so isolated and so scared and so overwhelmed by this new language of medical terms, this new experience of trying to figure out what's next and what's what. So I am so excited for you and honored to to be part of your journey because it's such a beautiful way to help people on the path. And for anybody who's going down the path, it's, I promise you it's not forever. So when you think that you, maybe I should consider reaching out to Laura or some other coach to help you through the path. It's not going to be a long-term thing. It's really, let's just get you past this next point and get you to parenthood, right? Exactly. And when you're working with a coach, you're, it's scientifically proven that you're going to get there faster from, from lots of different perspectives, the emotional Mm -hmm. perspective, the ability for them to help you navigate the, the literal logistical experience of it, et cetera. So what has been kind of the highlights of now showing up in the world as a fertility coach? Um, I mean, the, the highlights, I would say, are witnessing the transformation. So when clients come to me and they're, you know, our initial call, I can just hear it in their voice. They're all over the place. They don't even know where to start when they're telling their story and, um, they're just feeling so lost. Like they're standing in this middle of this, you know, they, they see kind of a path. They don't have a map. They just, and they, they, and they want someone to connect with. So it's kind of, they, they want answers. They want, you know, everything that they see, I guess, in my, um, on my Instagram or my website or whatever, like they, they want that transformation, but they also want, really want to connect with somebody who understands. And so while I offer, you know, solutions for, um, when you're struggling mentally and I have, you know, tools for, if you're having a hard time with the physical aspects of an IVF cycle, well, I can offer all of those things, like most of the time, the priority for these people to get started is making a connection with someone that they can talk to, um, their family and their friends, maybe even their partner, they don't necessarily know what to say and they end up getting frustrated. It causes tension and relationships because nobody knows what to say to the other person and they, they can't, they can't fix it. Everyone wants to fix what's wrong with their loved one. So they're not sad anymore. And I'm someone that they can just really listen to. And so seeing that transformation from being so lost and like you said, feeling isolated to taking that deep breath, like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to somebody that really gets it, that understands me and is just listening and validating the difficult emotions that I'm experiencing. 
and I can just see their whole body relax by the end of that first call. And it's, and it's beautiful. Um, and then watching them become more confident, you know, seeing them being like, I don't know what to do about X, Y, Z. And then helping them through that, guiding them through decision processes. So they feel not just so they can make the decision, but they feel confident about decisions that they're making. And then, you know, finally you get today, I got a text message from a woman that I've been coaching through IVF and secondary infertility. And I knew that today was her beta. And so, you know, I sent her just like a little heart emoji this morning. And then a few hours later, I got the first text that just said, Laura. And I grabbed my phone and I was just looking at it. And I, I just knew just the way that the text came through, that it was going to be good news. But she said, I'm pregnant. And, and I sobbed for this woman, all of my clients become my friends. And so, um, you know, I just, I, to, it's such an honor to be a part of this experience, Absolutely. even when it's a really difficult experience, right. like even when it's painful, it's so they're in such a vulnerable raw position and to invite me to be a part of that and to allow me to help them through it. I find to be such an honor and then when I have the opportunity to celebrate with them at, you know, a more joyful part of their journey is just, I, I cannot believe that I found this. Right. It, <laughs> it really is. Priceless. A hundred percent. Yes. Well, how can people find you, Laura? They can find me on Instagram at positive.fertility. And my website is positivefertilitycoaching.com. Amazing. Well, thank you for being here today and sharing the ups and downs of your story and being such a guiding light for anyone who's on this path. Again, bringing this ripple effect to the world of fertility and letting people know that they don't have to walk this path alone and there is hope. Your beautiful family is a testament to that. So thank you again for your time and being here and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.